Well, good morning. Welcome to our continuing Bible study in the book of Luke. And if you turn your Bibles to chapter 15, uh, we'll begin there. Luke 15. And this whole chapter is uh, uh, comprised of three three, uh, parables. And uh, as a bit of a background, remember he had been invited to supper at the Pharisees or, or the breakfast at the Pharisees and then uh, the the conversation that he had with them and then after that concluded then Luke chapter 15 and verse 1 says then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him and the Pharisees and scribes murmured saying this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them and he spake this parable unto them saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise... Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and diligently seek until she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors, saying, Uh, together saying rejoice with me for I found the peace which I had lost likewise I say unto you there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth and then and then the concluding part of the parable of the the prodigal or the lost son and so we'll uh, we're not going to cover that last parable today but we're, we are going to kind of look at an overview of of them as they fit together because they all three form a composite picture of the, the redemption of, of the church and and the involvement of the trinity in that uh, redemption So we have three parables, and, and as we mentioned in the previous lesson, Christ receiveth uh, sinners, and they're all pointed to the same subject in words which uh, Christ spake to these these Pharisees. And again, the three parables kind of give us a composite view of the lost and unregenerate nature of man and the gracious work of the Trinity in, re, in redeeming them. And the the complaint of the Pharisees was that Jesus not only associated with what they considered the kind of the off-scouring or the 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 ones that they didn't care to be with the the the, the people that were lesser than them, <clears throat> and and not only that he he actually ate with them and uh, and you know it's like many times we find people in the Bible that make statements that were uh, because of the determinate counsel of God, they don't really understand maybe what they said, but it, they do in fact relate some message or some point that he is making. 
<clears throat> unbeknownst to them. And and here we have that that case. He he receiveth sinners and publicans and eats with them. Ooh, how awful! And the term "receiveth" here represents more than just the simple act of receiving. And we kind of went into that in our last message. It was, it's more than just a passive receiving, and it and it actually <clears throat> is from the Greek word pros. Uh, dekomai, which means to receive to oneself, to receive favorably, and gives the idea of to look for and to wait for. <clears throat> so when these Pharisees saw Jesus uh, in these cases where he, he ate with sinners and publicans, he said, he kind of actually looks forward to meeting with them and associating with them and eating with them. And that's why he came. <laughs> he came to save sinners. And <clears throat> and uh, so he actually appeared to eagerly look forward to being with them and eating with them. And the, the Pharisees murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with him. And in the first parable, he uses the metaphor of a shepherd. And <clears throat> I'm sure these Pharisees were saying, We just kind of insulted him with this you're hanging around with people you shouldn't be hanging around with and <clears throat> now he's talking about shepherds and sheep what is what is this all about and <clears throat> we went through the law of parables where he says unto the church unto you it's given to they said why do you speak in parables he says well unto you it's given to understand the mysteries of the of the kingdom and unto them it is it is not given and and so he uses this metaphor of a shepherd and you know the the Pharisees would have considered a shepherd kind of your lower class citizen <laughs> with whom they wouldn't normally associate and uh, uh, in Luke 18:9 it says he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others so anybody that didn't fall into that pharisaical class, they despised them. They didn't want anything to do with them. And yet, they were the ones that that supposedly knew the law, the ones that supposedly knew the, the Old Testament and uh, prided themselves in in those things. And, and, and yet, they didn't apply any of the things that were in there because they didn't see them. They didn't... Unless a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. He can't understand it. Natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God because they're spiritually discerned. And so a lot of that they, they just didn't see. And this subject of eating is brought out. And the Lord often uses uh, eating to display grace and to display fellowship and to bring a sense of family and security <clears throat> and you know, he even used, he's displaying grace by being with these Pharisees that were plotting to do away with him. That was their ultimate goal was to be rid of him. And, and uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> he displayed grace unto them, although they were blind uh, to that. They, they, they could not see it. <clears throat> After his resurrection, he, he appeared to his disciples displaying grace and fellowship and comfort. And they're all... In, in Luke chapter 24, if you want to turn your Bibles there to Luke 24, and after his resurrection, and they're all communing, to, all the disciples are communing together, and they're all upset. And, and as they spake, Jesus himself 
in verse 36 of Luke 24, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. That peace that comes from him alone, that peace that he provided through his what he just went through in his death, burial, and resurrection, the peace that he made with God in their behalf. <clears throat> they were no longer at enmity with him because of what he did. and they But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed they'd seen a spirit. But he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? <clears throat> and he gave, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Boy, they were all upset about what had happened. And he says, I told you over and over and over again that these things must all be come to pass. They must all be fulfilled. So you shouldn't be upset that they actually did because it was for your benefit that they did. And, and, and then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. What a, what a key phrase we have at the close of that uh, dialogue. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. <clears throat> and, and that's what he does for the church in these parables. And, and another example uh, in Luke 22, where he's with them for this, this final Passover meal, he says, with desire, I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It just spoke to his passion about his relationship with him and how much he loved them and how much he cared for them and and he desired to have this last time with them where he would tell them it's not the physical here's the spiritual meaning of this meal he, and he he said this this bread i i'm the bread of life this this is my my body that's broken for you and and this cup and, and <clears throat> so he wanted to to impart to them this spiritual message before he departed and suffered of what that was all about. And so with that background, let's let's look at several things that each of these parables have in common. We have again we have this whole chapter is comprised of three parables, and each one of them directly relates to those Pharisees that said, He receiveth sinners and eats with them. And uh, <clears throat> what a view that they had. And so we have this this three parables and each one of them kind of represents or emphasizes a different part of the Trinity and, and or a combination of them. <clears throat> and yet all in union in the redemption of the elect and <clears throat> sinners that they would save by by grace. And in parable one, we have the shepherd. Well, who does that represent? The great shepherd, the Jesus says, I am the shepherd. <laughs> and uh, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. <clears throat> and in parable number two, we have the light, the lit candle, the woman that sweeps, uh, lights a candle, and then sweeps diligently on the floor for this this valuable 
item. And then in parable three, we have the father. And so these three aspects bring our attention to God and the spirit and the Christ as they redeem the church. And in each parable, there's a valuable possession that's involved, a valuable possession that belonged to someone. That, uh, and then that possession is lost. In parable one, it's the sheep. And in parable two, it's the, the coin. And in parable three, it's the, the son, the younger son. And, and then in each case, the, the possession is sought out. And by the great shepherd, the, the seeker via the, the Holy Spirit. And that possession is found and returned. And I found that which was lost. I found it. I, it, it didn't return of its own. It, he says, I, I went out and searched it out and found it. <clears throat> and lastly, there's joy. It's just, it just struck me as so interesting that, you know, God does all the... the he does everything. Amen. And when he accomplishes it, he has joy in it. And in the those that are the redeemed, they say, Hallelujah, you've earned it because I would never have come to this of myself. If he hadn't overcome me, if he hadn't <clears throat> brought the gospel to me, if he hadn't given me a new heart, if he hadn't done all these things, I, I would have never returned of my own. I would never have repented. I would never have come to him. And isn't that what the scriptures say? There's none none that seeketh God, none that understandeth, none that are righteous, <clears throat> and, until he makes that difference uh, in us. And I think there's an article on the back of your bulletin that speaks to those very issues. And uh, <clears throat> if you read those sometime today, but you know, when he, when he does all those things and they come back, it gives him joy. It, it's, a, it's rejoicing. Every one of those parables ends in rejoicing so the pharisees on the other hand seem to represent a different character in each parable but you know they would have been offended by these comparisons he's they say christ he receiveth sinners and eats with them and he says well a shepherd the person that you think the lowest amount of <laughs> if he lost a sheep he'd go out and find it what's i'm i'm here with these sinners and publicans and among them are my sheep and yet they would not stoop so low as to go out and have anything to do with the shepherd <clears throat> and uh, in the in the first parable they're like the 90 and 9 sheep so I say unto you, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Well, you know, there, there, that is a, there is no such thing. <laughs> but in their mind, they, that's how they perceive themselves. We need no, we don't need any repentance. We, we be Abraham's children and we keep the law and I do this and I do that and all the things that they use to justify themselves, uh, <clears throat> they they just believed that they didn't need to repent of anything. They had nothing to repent of. And so we have this, he says, the one, that, the one that did repent, the one that I went after, the one that I gave a new heart to, the one that I sought out and found and brought back, 
I have joy over that. But I don't have joy over those 99 that, that need no repentance. And that's, that's what it tells us in uh, Luke 18, verse 11. The Pharisees stood and prayed with themselves. You're all, you all remember this scripture where the, the two went up to the temple to pray and the Pharisee and the, the publican and the Pharisee said, prayed thus with himself and that's a key point there <laughs> that's about as far as it went <laughs> he didn't get any higher than than his mouth and i thank god i'm not like other men i thank god i'm not like other men extortioners unjust adulterers or even as this publican next to me and you know the publicans were we've covered this in many of our lessons that they were they were uh, singled out for extensive hate <laughs> and uh, and rejection because they they were tax representatives of the Roman government and their mission was to they would bid on these tax regions and and they would be awarded the ability to collect taxes for the Romans in that area and then whatever they got above and beyond what the Romans said we expect this amount of revenue from that region it, whatever you get after that's your own business we don't care about it and don't want to know about it so <clears throat> they were they were pretty uh, pretty liberal in their approach to that <laughs> and and uh, I think Lazarus or uh, Zach, Zac Zacchaeus said he was rich from his endeavors as a publican, and so they were hated because they were extorting money out of the out of the public, out of the Jew Jewish people, and giving it to their hated enemies that had put them in subjection. So, I, any list adulterers and unjust. Everybody except themselves were pretty much included in this in this sentence there. I thank God I'm not like them. I'm good. I keep the law. I don't dirty my hands with all that other stuff. <clears throat> I don't have dinner with sinners. Don't have dinner. I don't hang out with the publicans. <clears throat> so that's their view. They despised everybody but themselves. A key point in the parable here is that, again, that there was joy in finding one of these sheep that turned and repented. And, <clears throat> and <clears throat> they, they were found and there was subsequent repentance and, and there was not joy in the 90 and 9, which in their mind needed no repentance. And, and to our earlier list, we have in each case, we have something valuable. And I, and I stress that in our last uh, message, how valuable Christ views his sheep. They're, they're valuable beyond... He, he, he made the most costly payment for them that could be made. He paid for them with his own life. He paid for them with his own blood. And uh, <clears throat> he says, there's just... There's nothing can compare to that. It, <clears throat> so the price of redeeming the sheep for the father is just the, the blood of his own dear son. <clears throat> and that valuable something becomes lost. 
through the fall, through through the sin that that evolved from Adam, <clears throat> and that and just like Adam, we we don't see the lost nature of it until it's brought until something happens, till till as it, like it says in Ezekiel, till I give you a new heart, <laughs> till I clean you up, till I change you till I turn you you're you're just not going to see yourself in that condition if Adam Adam says I'm I'm okay I'm okay <laughs> that's what I always say I fall down in the garage or something and Yvonne comes out Are you okay yeah I'm fine <laughs> except for this big bruise down my side and whatever else but that's our immediate reaction I'm fine <laughs> nothing wrong with me and so they don't consider their lost condition, you know, and, and they must be found in the wilderness to, to which they've gone astray. They must be brought from that, that condition of, of lostness. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says that at the time in our old nature, when we were like the lost sheep or the lost coin or that son, at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. What a, what a predicament we find ourselves in because of the fall. And yet we say, I'm fine. I'm okay. I don't need anything. I've got these fig leaves here. I'm going to sew me up some clothes here as soon as we get done talking. <laughs> and what a, what a miserable substitute that was. <clears throat> and you know that then we find that valuable something sought for searched out uh and <clears throat> i think we read this scripture last time but we'll read it again from uh ezekiel chapter 34 verse 11 and 12 <clears throat> thus saith the lord god behold i even i will both search my sheep and seek them out well he wouldn't need to seek them out if they weren't lost but he says, you know what? He says, they're my sheep. They're his possession. <clears throat> and they're valuable enough to him that he is going to diligently search and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among the sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. That cloudy and dark day in the garden where where the fall occurred and we all developed the sin nature from that that cloudy and dark day that affected every one of us that valuable something then is found in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says but now in Christ Jesus you who sometimes were afar off are now made nigh by, by the blood of Christ brought brought close, brought to a, an intimate connection and knowledge. <clears throat> in, in Luke 15, 6, in our scriptures today, in our text, it says, And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, I found my sheep which was lost. What a wonderful th way for, for it, when we think about we sometimes I think we just lose track of what, how God feels about us, Him saving us, and how how much He rejoices in that, and how much He He uh, shares that, and and this repentance 
the turning we we refer that to that as the the turning in the parable of the lost sheep the the sheep when is found is picked up remember the scripture we read last time when we were yet without strength we had no ability to stand up on our own we had no when we were without strength Christ died for the ungodly he findeth that sheep and he picks it up and he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing isn't that kind of the opposite view that you get from religion? Well, you know what? You need to get right with God and then come to Him on your own feet and then come forward and then do all the things and then and then walk with me. <laughs> come with me. Follow me. Well, you know what? He picks you up and carries you on His shoulders back. And then He rejoices. <clears throat> now, one of the objects of the parable is the, the Pharisees who rightly should have been a shepherd to those sheep. Uh, Norm's been covering some of this in the Wednesday night lessons about shepherds. And they were among those that failed miserably and the, the ones that had the most knowledge about the Old Testament, the gospel that should have been able to point people to Christ and the, the great shepherd. And they, they said, no, what we count on is being... Uh, in the lineage of Abraham and keeping the law and self-righteousness and uh, being to total liars. <laughs> That's what we count on. So uh, they should have pointed them to the great shepherd, but not only did they not do that, but they despised them, the ones that they should have been pointing. They despised them. Uh, just the total opposite of what should have happened. And not only did they despise them, they stayed as far away from them as, as they could possibly manage. They wouldn't even, they would see a publican come and they would move over to the other side of the road just to avoid close contact with them. And Woe to you lawyers in, in our lesson from uh, chapter 11 of Luke. Woe to you lawyers, you've taken away the key of knowledge and you entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, you hindered. You were you were a stumbling stone. You were a blockage to them. You you not only didn't point out Christ to them, you tried to just keep them away at all costs. And so, and then this final thing that we find in these three parables is this rejoicing again. This rejoy, uh, rejoicing and joy. Uh, you know, Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. <clears throat> so when he says, I found my sheep, rejoice with me. I have joy in that sheep that was found and returned. And he looked, when he looked forward at the cross, and said, for the joy that was set before him in redeeming all those sheep, he, en he endured all that. He endured contradiction of sinners against himself because th those sinners that were his sheep, he loved them and loved them with an eternal, everlasting love. And So it's a great wonder and a sense of peace to every believer to consider that God has loved you eternally, searched you out in spite of your enmity to him, 
found you at the time that he appointed, caused you to hear the gospel of his dear son, saved you, not according to your own works, but according to his own purpose and will and grace. And after he's done all, you, like the sheep, have done nothing. <laughs> We're just like passive recipients of all this. Uh, thank God. And <clears throat> he rejoices after he takes care of everything. You, you know, we always say that whatever God requires, he supplies, he fulfills. Well, when he does all that, he rejoices. and He has joy every time he causes a great work of grace in one of his sheep. And he sees you as a work of grace in his son and rejoices. And there's no, there's no joy in God in the 90 and 9 that don't need... That, no, thank you. We don't need that. I'm fine. I, I, I tithe twice a week. I, I give tithes of all I have. I fast twice a week, I guess it is. And I, 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 I do all these things. Uh, <clears throat> all these I've kept from my youth up. What else do I need? I don't need anything. <clears throat> so uh, there's no joy in, in there's no there's no work of God grace in any of that. There's no joy in uh, the results of it. In in parable two, we have similar circumstances, and yet more grace is revealed. <clears throat> Either what woman? Boy, here's another. The Pharisees didn't probably have too much to do with the women in doing anything, and. So what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors and together and saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, in the same way, I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth, in similar fashion to the 90 and 9 coins that not seemingly lost in their view that uh, need no repentance. They bring no joy in the presence of God or in the presence of his angels. Likewise, it's the same case here. And and yet, uh, the, there's so many similar things in this parable. We have the something possessed, something that became lost, something that was of great value, a diligent search for it. God, God searches His people out no matter where. I mean, we just—I I just think we can't imagine all of the, uh, all the rainbow of grace that He provides to get His word to someone or bring someone to His word. Uh, just amazing. <clears throat> so we have this parable representing a, a piece of silver, a coin. A, uh, they call it a drachma in those uh, original terms there. The valuable something is lost and, it, and it's down on the floor. It's down. It's down in the dirt. It's in the dark. In those, those spiritual pictures that we derive from this parable, this coin that's fallen and gotten lost and Maybe it's in a crack or uh, under some under some dirt and cobwebs and junk and and the first thing is 
there has to be a light. Even if it was, even if you swept the floor in the dark, you're not going to see it if it, <laughs> if it, if it gets turned up. She lights a candle. God who commanded the light, I think this is on your bulletin too uh, this morning uh, from 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And you know, that's just the work of the Holy Spirit to, to testify, to reveal Christ to and in the elect. It's kind of a two-fold process. He reveals Christ to them, but he also reveals Christ in them. And that, that's what Paul said, when it, when it pleased God to reveal his Son in me, that's something for us to consider, that he reveals his Son in us. And, and in John, he, he brings that out quite a bit in, uh, in his prayer in John chapter 17. The, the unity of the spirit that he has with God is also with the church. I and them, them and me, I and the Father, the Father and me, we're, and we become one in, in unity. And this Holy Spirit that this shines this light of the gospel and reveals Christ to the sheep and the, the elect, the church, reveals Christ to them and then through the rebirth reveals Christ in them <clears throat> when the comforter has come whom I will send unto you from the father even the spirit of truth which proceeded from the father he shall testify of me <clears throat> Howbeit, when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. So his his job is not to magnify himself. His job is to magnify and glorify Christ and apply the 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 gospel of Christ to the sheep and <clears throat> to them and in them and and uh, <clears throat> and that's what Paul said in Galatians uh, chapter one. He says, "When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace." to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. And he says, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. He was getting what he needed right from the, the spirit. She, This woman in the parable, she sweeps and searches diligently and <clears throat> no corner is left, no nook, no cranny overlooked. And, and Ezekiel uh, 34, 12 as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and do all deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloud and dark day. She's going to pull out that piece of furniture that it might have rolled under. <laughs> That's, and when she got under there and shined the light, it was way worse than what she expected. It was <laughs> full of dirt and she swept all that out and, and with the light looked for her coin. <clears throat> In the conclusion of the second parable, Jesus likens it to the first parable. He says, likewise, in, in the same way, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And so he, he applies this spiritually. And I'm sure those Pharisees are saying, 
coin? We know what coins are good for. We like the sound of coins. What's that got to do with the sinner repenting? <laughs> There's no repentance in the 99. There's no repentance in the nine coins that weren't lost. There's no joy, which again typifies those Pharisees. And in contrast, the Pharisees were so far from seeking that which was lost and shining the light of the gospel of Christ on it. They were just total in the total opposite way of that. So we're going to stop there and next time we're going to look at the third parable and we're going to apply everything that we learned in the first two parables. And when everything is concluded, we find the father racing out to greet the, the returning son and, and rejoicing again. What, what wonderful grace. So until next time, my friends, uh, as always, be free. and We'll look forward to our next lesson.